When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. They are a writer, a comedian, a thirst trap specialist, and above all else, a Cerebrellis fan. Please welcome to the mic, Megan Pope. Wow, that is one of the most incredible intros I've ever had. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to have to listen to Sarah Barillas after this. Uh, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I, you know, it's going to snow here um, in New York soon. So I feel like everybody's like storming the stores and treating it like, you know, the second apocalypse. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty calm. <laughs> you know, The city's reaction to any kind of weather always cracks me up. It's like any heat, any cold, any whatever, people freak out. They need to go get seven seltzers. I'm among them because I just like to be included. Like, it's always a journey. (laughs) Truly, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm from California originally, and like our weather is so tame. I, until I came to the East Coast for college, I had never seen such just wild reactions to to weather changes but yeah (laughs) same same I grew up in uh, Oregon so it was very like well the winter is gray and then oh yeah the sun comes out and that's that's that where where in Oregon I'm 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 asking you questions already but where in Oregon are you from uh I'm from Hillsborough it's like okay 20 minutes outside of Portland yeah I used to um I used to go to diving meets in Beaverton okay yeah so I am familiar. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like right next to, I I guess, Nike campus probably. Yeah. Yeah. The facilities were super nice because they were all Nike, Nike sponsored, I think. Uh, so. Good old Uncle Phil Knight just <laughs> helping the town of Beaverton, Oregon. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> so let's, let's just jump from the beginning. So you grew up in California. Yes. And you found the art of diving. I did, yeah. <laughs> did you have siblings that were also into it, or was that just kind of like a you thing? 
Um, it was just a me thing. I was on a summer swim team that um, I, my parents signed me up for. And I got there a bit early for practice and I saw the divers and I was like, that looks way more fun. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, the coach was super nice because I, I was like literally an hour early for swimming. So um, he let me hop in and I was a little like monkey child with no fear. So I just started diving and um, yeah, I sort of went from there. Like all I know about diving is billboard dad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, actually, I love that. That's that's the only reference you have. Yeah, it's a weird little sport. The community is is small. Tom Daly, you don't know Tom Daly? I mean, I I know that he's hot, but I'm not going to pretend I understand what his job is. You know what I mean? Okay, fair, fair. Oh God, yeah. It's crazy to me that he's hot and a father and like does flips for his job. Like that to me always is wild. Especially just like he does little ab workouts on Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, his kid's gonna grow up and be like, yep, this is just my dad. That's it. <laughs> Young twink doing ab workouts on Instagram. Just a forever twink <laughs> in charge of a full other human. Yeah. <laughs> Married to a screenwriter. I I don't know. It's it sounds like a dream and a nightmare. I, I, I really can't decide. Honestly, whatever happens, the child is going to have a great book and I can't re- wait to read it. Oh, fully. Yeah, I yeah. pre-ordered it already. <laughs> <laughs> so you just know, like, I'm terrified of heights. I swim fine, I guess. <laughs> um, but you were just like, I'm going to leap off this thing, do a flip and not die. I think when I was little, I had really like the frontal lobe development was not there, obviously. And my, I was pretty fearless. I mean, I was, I I remember being scared to learn like a front flip and everything. But yeah, once you take a few falls, tumbles, belly flops, you sort of like build up a tolerance. But I will say like around age 13, 14, when I started really like, I guess my brain started developing more, I got and this is super common, I think, for like gymnasts and divers and stuff. I got mental block after mental block after mental block. Everything started to scare me, even things I had been doing since I was like eight. Um, like walking. So that was interesting. Yes, no, <laughs> you joke, but your legs like freeze. Like you're standing up there, and everything just freezes, and you're just like willing yourself to to go. Like you're soaking wet hormonal teenage person and you're like please like just go like throw yourself off this cliff and hope nothing bad happens like it's truly wild well am I so I'm the oldest and I have uh, a younger sister who did swim team for a little bit but Mm -hmm. I do know that the swimming events get very loud so I feel Mm -hmm. like that would like compound in a way to make this mental block be worse yeah it's interesting that you say that so with diving, um, if it's just the diving event happening, which for, so I did um, club diving, junior Olympic diving through high school all the way until college. And when you go to those meets, there's no swimmers. It's just divers. It's just like hundreds of little people, like people doing flips. Uh, and it when they call your name and they announce your dive, it goes dead silent. People will cheer like when you're up there, but then when it's time for you to go, it's sort of like golf where they'll they'll be quiet while you're doing your thing. And then, you know, once you hit the water, they'll cheer. So they let you focus. But then in college, they run, they often run the diving and the swimming concurrently. 
And uh, that was a living nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, it's so loud and you're just like trying not to like die. Um, as you know, there's like whistles and parents screaming and just, yeah. Um, so that was two very different experiences for sure. I'm just changing this entire podcast to just uh, a diving podcast I find. Yeah, this is sports talk. <laughs> this is this sports is for talk. sports. Ryan and Megan. <laughs> I'm sure that's a podcast. I'm sure that's legitimately a podcast. Well, if not, we just, uh, we coined it here. So it's um, copyright and it's ours. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so besides uh, the fascinating sport of diving, which I feel like it's now my new passion um what kind of like high schooler were you like how was how was that yeah um uh my first two years of high school I I went to a school I went from like a very artsy Jewish K through eight to a very academically challenging all-girls school and so my first two years of high school were just like staying home on the weekends doing homework trying to stay afloat academically um yeah, I just focused on school. I, I don't know if that was like an intentional distraction from whatever else was going on with me, but I really did not have that many friends and just focus on school and then would go to diving practice and usually be stressed about school at practice. It was uh, beautifully stressful. And then towards the end of high school, I started doing theater and comedy stuff and, uh, you know, didn't have to work as hard. At, at, uh, I had developed study skills and stuff and I had friends and we'd like, you know, go out on the weekends and stuff. So then it, you decide no more California. I'm done. I'm done with there. And you travel east. Where do you end up in for college? Uh, I went to Brown, so Providence, Rhode Island. A very oh my weird... God! I was born in Pawtucket. Oh, no way! Yeah, oh, okay. we we were ships passing in the night. In, in the night. So yes, I, I know. I know Providence very well. I love Providence. I love water fire and all the RISD students that sell their amazing art and the Johnson and Whale kids that Wales kids that cook and open up amazing restaurants. I think it's such a fun place. <laughs> it's such a funny little state. Like um, most of my extended family lives in Providence. So um, I guess I only see it through their eyes or from visiting aunts and uncles. But every time I feel like, how are there so many adventures in this tiny little 45 minute state? True. Yeah. You got the beach. There's like hiking stuff. I really, I love Rhode Island. After four years as a college student, I was ready to leave just because I think like, yeah, I was very much living in that bubble. I, I'm sure that your family has had a different experience than I did, but um, yeah, I really liked it. It was, it was a great place. Very fun. And you dived in college as well. Yes, I did four years of diving and um, you know, it's not, it's not like a super intense sports school so I kind of chose that uh intentionally so I could still do you know like art stuff comedy stuff theater stuff um my coach my senior year was just so nice he was like just go do your stuff like I I really was not going to get any better at diving it was very clear I sort of was just coasting by that point um so I'd run off you know like hair soaking wet and go to do sketch rehearsal and plays and stuff like that is there a like big comedy scene in in providence yeah i providence itself there's like some there's um a couple of places where there's like stand up there's like comedy club um but i mean most of it was very insular with uh brown risd like college comedy um 
but there's a ton of obviously college improv and sketch and like stand-up groups and um I mostly did the sketch group uh that was there but yeah there's a lot of like make your own opportunities put up your own shows and plays and weird stuff in little like basements and um yeah it was it was really fun I am so jealous so I went to school in the middle of Illinois in good old Decatur so we were like all we had and I got a musical theater degree so I was very like focused on that so my like tiptoes into comedy were very like I'm in New York and I have to go where who you know but it sounds like you got to like try some stuff and be silly and do the college create whatever and see if it sticks before heading out to New York which I'm very envious about yeah I'd say like my senior year I really did a lot of that. Um, I, w- I was very lucky. But I-, I wasn't like the comedy person on campus. I was very shy. I didn't talk a lot like in the like comedy rooms or I don't know. I think that I I really came into my own once I moved here. And I think that finding, I didn't do any standup when I was in school. And then when I came here, I was terrified to try it. I did sketch first and then I found it and I, um, yeah, I just really enjoy writing. Uh, I love performing too. I, I, like it's fun, but I, I think moving here taught me that I just really like controlling what I say by writing it myself and like really working on crafting stuff. It was, uh, yeah, it's been fun. No, I mean, I noticed that I have um, subscribed to your to your newsletter. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> and uh, I find it, it's fun. I like the structure of it. I think it's cool. I think you have a very interesting point of view. Are you finding that it is helpful in this I guess creative downtime that we're in to have that going for you totally yeah I mean it's relatively new I've done it for 11 weeks now I started it and was like this will be a great you know if I do nothing else creative in a week because my day job is you know there's some creativity involved in like marketing stuff but not a ton I was like at least I have this newsletter every Tuesday at eight I will send something out whether it's my favorite thing I've ever written or just like truly a drunken brain dump like uh last night's <laughs> or <laughs> I guess this morning's but I um I was just like at least I'll have produced something um it sort of backfired yesterday when I got drinks with a friend and then walked into my girlfriend's apartment and was like I have to do my newsletter uh-uh. and I like whipped out my computer while they were all watching Bachelorette and like I made her edit it for me because I was like there's no way this is gonna be good um but and I'm running out of ideas. So if anyone has ideas. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been fun. And I, I started it, it was more of like emo essays. And then I did some funnier ones and people were like, more funny. <laughs> so I'm trying to lean that way. Cause like, I can only write so many essays about my mom, you know. <laughs> it also always feels great when you're like, hey, I wrote this thing that I feel is really heartfelt. And then you get <laughs> hey, can you just like be funny again? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I am like the next, like I can't even name someone that it shows that I should not be in this industry because I can't name any like heartfelt nonfiction people. Like I thought I was going to write the next like beautiful nonfiction book and people were like, actually, I loved when you made jokes about getting your tits cut off. Like that was way better. So do that. (laughs) You're like, cool, 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 cool. Like I noted, noted, I will keep it to um, tits <laughs> or lock her up. You're like, I guess this is, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is my ticket out. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I always get caught because um, grammar and I are not 
friends we're not friendly uh i think it's mostly because like growing up my theater class which i really fell in love with and eventually continued to do throughout my life but it started being more like a drama criticism of plays mm-hmm. so like as i was supposed to be learning like sentence structure i was also learning like hey if this playwright put a comma here that just means take a breath and it doesn't actually have to be like for any grammatical reason So if you look, if you look at anything that I've written and there's a semicolon in it, I've definitely had my roommate um, ghostwrite it. So (laughs) if I write something like sad and it has a semicolon and then they're like, no, I just want you to make gay jokes again. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I mean, it is truly at the bottom of all my newsletters. I'm like, sorry about punctuation. I, I used to be a tutor and I was really good at like just all the rules and checking and I was super like anal about everything but yeah playwriting which I also have been doing recently you can do whatever the fuck you want (laughs) you you can make it look like a concrete poem you can make the font super big I mean it has to be earned and everything but uh there's really like in comedy and playwriting and all this stuff it's like who cares how things are written I personally am like why does it matter how anything is spelled if you can tell what I'm trying to say (laughs) a hundred percent my mom like passed out when I said that when I was home. She was an English teacher and studied English and just like is obsessed with grammar. And she was like, it matters. But Yeah, I just want to, I want someone to read my one great work I'm sure I have in me in a college class and talk about my lack of like spelling. Yeah. Like I just want a college freshman to have to write a couple pages about that choice. Of course. <laughs> Everything is a choice. It all holds meaning. Yes, I uh, yes, I was just thinking about this with regard to grammar and stuff. No, I, I should I should proofread more. I think it's a coping mechanism to like vomit something out, briefly skim it, and then put it into the world. Because then I'm like, well, if it's bad, I can be like, well, I didn't even try. And if it's good, I can be like, well, I didn't even try. <laughs> it's like some nightmare brain fuck thing that's going on. I don't know. No, I talked about that with a friend recently because they are getting... Uh, they're like masters in special education. But we were talking about when I was growing up, it was called like talented and gifted. Basically, it's just like someone comes into your public school class and you can read faster than other people. So they're like, you're the smart kid. Mm -hmm. The goal was to give these kids just kind of harder work so that they are stimulated. But what actually happened is it developed this thing where they have a hard time doing anything that isn't naturally easy for them Mm. so it makes things uh like oh I'll just write it the night before and send it out and then if it's good yeah of course it's good and if it's like bad it's like well I wrote it last night so whatever um and I fall into that all the time like all of my college was like oh yeah the day the day before the papers due yeah I'll just be up all night and it's like it's strange because I know it's not good (laughs) Yeah, I wonder about that. That's so interesting because I, I I know my friend with dyslexia is always like, I'm so happy that I struggled with it so much in, you know, elementary school, middle school, because it just like my work ethic and my determination to understand things and work through things and develop skills was just so, you know, I was so seasoned by the time I got to college. And yeah, I wonder what that little like two year period of my adjusting to high school did for me because you know, aside from math and science, which I still suck at, like, my senior year of high school, I could kind of do that, like, stay up the night before, just trust that, yeah. you know, it's going to be okay. 
like fly by the seat of my pants and then college similarly. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so strange. And, and then I'm trying to think about how it affects me now, you know, like I'm always trying to do a million projects, but I sort of like have just like one little finger in each one or like one little hand in each one. It's like, I'm spreading myself pretty thin. And I wonder if that's somehow related. Yeah. I find myself doing the same thing because if I have just one project that I'm working on, it means like I truly, truly care. And then I guess I get scared mm-hmm. and do that whole like self-sabotage thing, blah, blah, blah. But if I have a bunch of things going on and something falls, it's like, well, again, of course it fell. I have a bunch of things going on. It's like this weird armor. Totally. I wonder, I'm curious, this is, I'm asking you another question, but I wonder with musical theater, especially doing it in an academic setting, because I only ever did it um, like in high school for fun. And then, you know, I did like uh-huh. a review in college. I love it. I still am a nerd and listen to it and like, I'm obsessed with it. But I wonder if you, like, if that was something that you felt came easy to you, did you just sort of like fly by the seat of your pants in that way? Or because they were dedicated rehearsals, did you like go above and beyond outside of rehearsals to work on stuff? Like, how does that yeah, I guess, factor in? I guess that's like an outlier, which is funny to think of now because I, uh, I never really, I didn't grow up being like, I was the star of this or like I was the one that was supposed to be doing this. I just kind of like gritted my teeth and said I'm going to do it and just kept stomping through um but I did Mm -hmm. find when I didn't have like concrete goals um for example when I went to my school I knew I wanted to get a BFA but I was originally put in the BA program which are just two separate programs nothing negative about either one but because I knew that I wanted to get a BFA for my college degree I found myself very focused and very like set in to do that but once I got that I was like okay now what Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm very like goal oriented in that way but yeah go go ahead I'm, I'm so curious about this but yeah I do have friends who would say and would say it as like I'm an artist but it's like yeah I don't really rehearse that much because I just want it to be like free and natural And in my mind, I'm like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't understand what that means. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I never was great at improv. And so I feel like that, not, not that's 100% the same, not that improv is like beautiful and free and natural, but in some ways, (laughs) ways sometimes when it works, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And I think there's still like, obviously an understanding like of practice and school of thought and like, like bodily, like, yeah, just like going to like doing improv rehearsal and stuff is you're getting into the you're getting it into your bones and you're learning in some ways you're you're preparing in some ways even if it's not for the like legitimate you know scene you're gonna do during the show but um yeah it's so interesting that you said you were determined and stomped your way through it in terms of like not being always the leader the best like that was me with diving I I really was not naturally good at it and I really enjoyed it for a while and then I didn't and then I did but I was like I will do this until I'm a senior in college I don't know why I yeah, I just was like, this is something I'm going to do. And I just like kept showing up. And uh, I don't know, I, I I just I am so curious about how that's like affected me, what I've held on to from that now, or like, if I feel some sort of like, because I feel like with stand up too, I, I was when I first started, I would spend so much time writing and practicing. And so many other people were just like willing to get up there and be a lot messier and like less intense about it, I guess. So 
in a long story short, I did the whole stay at your parents' house um, thing pre-COVID. I am a trendsetter. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I was home for six months just kind of figuring my shit out and like what I wanted to do. And um, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna do stand up like this is I'm going to do it. I've been saying I'm going to do it. I've been writing for whatever. And literally did my first like open mic set, had a blast. And then the city shut down. Oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> I like did that. I like have the like five minutes filmed somewhere just to be like, I did oh, it. Oh, good. I'm glad that you recorded it. I my first like three months, I refused to even like record on my phone. Oh, I didn't record it then. I like made my friend, my friends, my roommates, my only people um, <laughs> record. <laughs> I was like, hey, um, you're going to sit in the living room tonight and I'm going to set up lighting and I'm going to do comedy for you. And we're taping it, so don't embarrass me. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's so brave. I I mean, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you have that. It's so shitty that the city shut down. When it first shut down, I was really excited that I got to, like, chill because I was just going too crazy with, you know, running around a million different places every night and trying to balance this, like, new day job that I started in, in January. And so when it first was, like, a pause, obviously I was terrified for the world and, like, it was horrible, but I also was, like, okay, like this is an, a welcome break, great for my mental health in terms of like not doing stand-up and now I deeply miss it. <laughs> so beyond all this, when did your love affair of Sarah Barella start? Oh my God. Okay, well, huh. I think I think like early, uh, late middle school, early high school is also when I sort of figured out that I like enjoyed singing and like could sing. I, I was always in like middle school band. I played piano and the bongo drums. Awesome. Nice. Um, <laughs> yes, our Jewish Jewish day school, middle school band. It was a sit down band, not marching. And mm. we played like Red Hot Chili Peppers and like Cyndi Lauper. And I was never, I never practiced piano because I played by ear. So if, uh, if the song was too hard, they would put me on the bongo drums and I would just be in the back, uh, just tapping on the drums. Um, the classic pairing. You know, whenever I'm like, you know, <laughs> I need some bongo in this. I'll just ask my friend I know who plays piano. Yeah, really natural. I just, I have that face that says like, yeah, that person can definitely play the bongo drums if they really put their mind to it. Um, but yeah, so I was always like, I, I love music and, and uh theater I, I loved like just watching it and knowing about it but then I think towards the end of high school I I mean the end of middle school I became obsessed with musical theater and then somehow you know Sarah Bareilles similar similar vibes maybe I could tell yeah. even then that she had a musical theater background I don't know I just I loved we have similar ranges I guess I mean she's incredibly so much better at singing but I was like oh this is a person whose songs I can sing along to and like also, she's like a poet. She's a genius. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Gravity is a musical theater song. Yeah, see, that was it, I think. I think it was, I really think Gravity and Uncharted, I was like, mm. yeah, early, like late middle school, that was my shit, and early high school. And then, you know, hid my obsession. It was more of just like driving my sister to school. We'd sing in the car, and we'd like belt Sarah Bareilles, and uh, you know, then Waitress came along. I became obsessed with it. 
<laughs> I saw it in Boston and then I saw it on Broadway twice. Um, it's an incredible show. You had a great time. <laughs> yeah. And you get to smell pie the whole time. It's like a dream come true. And then this new album. Which is great. Ah, God. It's so good. I oh uh, God. God, yeah, I was like, okay, she's it's songs from the show, whatever. And then mm-hmm. just like with the waitress material, I was like, oh, you're an incredible artist because these sound like you just wrote them for an album. Mm-hmm. But not in a way that it's like all homogenous. Like I think she really like you can tell something is a Sarah Bareilles song, but you're not like, oh, I've heard this all before. Like, and don't come for me, don't come for me, Swifties. I just think that this, the last two albums, like, they're a bit homogenous. Like, I love Folklore and, what is it, Evermore, this yeah. new one? Okay, I was scared I was going to get it wrong. I was, like, literally and they would have came for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, they've come for me on Twitter so many times. I literally said I was attracted to her in Cats, like, as a cat, which is, like, a fucked up thing to tweet. And they were like, but you think that'd be, like, a positive thing yeah, for a Swifty, right? absolutely. They were like, how dare you, like, they came for me. She got to wear heels, and she was the only one who understood the assignment in Cats. So, like... Oh, absolutely. And she just, like, would whisper, she, like, whisper song, like, seductively. Oh, God, her trying to be seductive is so beautiful to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, anyway, back to Sarah Bareilles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste any more time. Um, yeah, she's a genius, and... I read her book. Same. I don't remember when or like why I decided to do that, but yeah, I just love her. I think she's she's amazing. I was on a children's theater tour when the book came out, and it's only important because it's the only book I own on, mm. like in I not in I own books. <laughs> I was like, okay, that is um, you've surpassed me in fandom. That is the only book you own. And that's beautiful. It's like, yeah, I only own um, the Bible and Sarah Bareilles' book, a.k.a. the same thing, my Bible. It's the only book I own on, like, a Kindle. And um, Ah, I see. So I read that on tour, and for some reason, the thing that stuck with me about the entire book was she was talking about how uh, people think gravity is at the top of her range, but it's not. Um, She just throws her head back, and it looks dramatic. Oh my god, I love her! (laughs) And I was like, that is brilliant. (laughs) Of course it's on the top of her range. That bitch can sing it to the heavens. So yeah, I just wanted, you know, to chat about her. I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Yeah, I mean, it really is like, she is a major, this is so sad, but like, she is a major part of like, who I am today, if that's like the, you know, or why am I like this? Uh, I feel like when I was sad, I would listen to her. Like, I'd drive home from diving, like, soaking wet, crying in the car, singing to her. Um, other things, too, but she really has been... Like, I even drove to... During COVID, I, I drove to Massachusetts and stayed there for a month uh-huh. um, by myself, safely, got tested, etc. But the whole drive for, like, five hours on the way there, I listened to her entire discography from start to finish. That, that will now... That trip will be known as the Great Pilgrimage from now on. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you you caught me right in the transition um, to the question of the pod, which is, why are you like this? Oh, this is an excellent question, and my therapist is trying to have me ask it less because I used to be really obsessed with just like detangling all of my shit and being like, what, like what? Yeah, I don't know. I think hmm, I 
I think I am like this, whatever this means, who I am today for like, yeah, all of that diving and musical theater and being lucky enough to go to the schools I went to and grow up in California. Um, I am so curious what I would be like right now if I had just a better sense of like my, my queerness and gender stuff earlier, mm -hmm. but I can't, you know, I can't more in that. I can't be, I, uh, that does not negate all the experiences I had uh, prior to my like understanding of that, if that makes sense. Like I, I really wish I was like gay and weird and like one of these like fucking TikTok <laughs> lesbians or whatever in high school or middle school. They're all like living their damn truths. Absolutely. From um, the jump. <laughs> From the jump, they're all dressed cool, and yeah, I, I'm curious to know what that would have looked like for me. But uh, no, I was I was at a Jewish day school being weird, and then I was in a little little pleated skirt for four years of high school, and I think that I have to just I'm I'm coming to accept that that was what that was, and it was awesome for what it was, and it was sad that I didn't get a different experience, but. Yeah, I guess I'm sort of like uh, toggling between the two of being like, huh, what would it have been like to grow up as like a little boy or like non-binary person versus all of the very binary based spaces, whether it be diving or, or like all girls school and stuff that I was, uh, that I did, you know, grow up in, I guess. Wow. Yeah, you were very much on a this or that-esque path growing up, it sounds like, which is, I mean... You're right, we can't mourn the time that we didn't get to spend with our true selves as we are now. But I think about that with my own queerness a lot. My best friend still to this day, he came out when we were 12. Oh, wow. And uh, I didn't come out till I was 19 because that's what you did in the early 2000s. And- uh, Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I think back, it's just kind of interesting to like have him as a foil to like see and mm -hmm. to see where I was covering for things or masking for things, mm -hmm. especially in a world where it was very clearly okay to be gay in my, in my world growing up. Like my best friend was out, mm -hmm. like it wasn't a thing. So yeah, it's just interesting to look back on that and think, where would I be now if I got to start earlier, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned the, like, okayness, because I also think, like, although I was at, like, a hundred-year-old high school institution that was very rooted in, like, tradition, I think, like, the Bay Area is fairly liberal, and I, I, I guess, like, I was, like, where was I? My whole question is, like, throughout even college and, and high school, it's, like, where was I? Because I think I just was, like, running around to diving and then running around to theater and um, uh, focusing on school, and I just, like, never looked inward enough I guess mm -hmm. yeah, um, to even like I wish I was like I know that's bad I, I don't want to say I wish I was like hiding stuff I just like literally was not aware uh, I was like maybe feeling feeling amorphous like things that were not that I couldn't root or couldn't like connect to like a root or like a tangible reason why I was feeling x y or z mm -hmm. but um yeah it's fun to I guess look back now and be like wow you were just like head in the clouds like just farting around, diving and belting, singing and like being very, very silly. Um, yeah, it wasn't until I like came here and sort of like slowed down uh, that I was able to like 
figure out some of my shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, each person's journey is their own. And, you know, being a human is such a process. And it's so long. For sure. And it's it's funny. Um, I, yeah, I don't have like a lot of strict memories of like specific things from childhood. Like my sister could tell you like, oh, Ryan, on June 20th in 1999, you were wearing a red shirt and we like went to the mall. And like I've never, I, I don't have that. And I, I don't know if it's because of just like I wasn't, paying attention or if it's like another masking thing of just like Mm -hmm. protection from stuff but yeah it's just like especially during this time when all we have time to do is think about ourselves and like what we want to be when we get to Mm -hmm. rejoin um yeah I I think it's it's fun to think back and be like what if I just did it earlier what if I don't know I like to think about what ifs I find them fun yeah I I can find them fun now I was again like Last year, I think I was just so caught up in like solve it. Like I, I thought I could like think my way in and out of things and like solve things by doing that. And now I sort of, you know, the newsletter has been cool because I do, I have the same thing you're talking about where a lot of my early childhood is just like black hole. I don't remember a lot. And what, even when my therapist asks me questions or people ask me questions, even the name of this is daunting. Like, why are you like this? I was like, oh no, I have so many, um, just like blurry or blind spots, which is interesting. But the newsletter has been fun because I'm able to sort of like hone in on what I do remember and write about that, whether it's in the not so recent past or like as, you know, just like what I experienced as a kid. Um, And I'm curious if it's like what other people told me I was like and what I experienced or if it really is my own like memory. Um, Yeah. Because my mom will sometimes reply to the newsletter and be like, it's very interesting to like hear your account of this because I, this is what actually happened. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. My, yeah, my parents do the same thing. For, so like my dad was in the Navy for maybe a year, two years of my life, like as a full up baby. But for some reason in my mind, I've made up that like, he would go to sea and my mom and I would spend like years (laughs) just my mom and I but like he was totally there and we have a great relationship but for some reason that's just like a memory of mine so yeah I have I have that same thing where I'm like is this a memory or did someone tell me this is what happened Mm -hmm. whoa yeah I know it's crazy. I feel like you're often just told who you are a lot <laughs> as a kid and you're like, yep. Or like who told like what you were like. And then you're like, yep, that's my history. And you don't really interrogate it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember competing in theater in high school and like a we were four time state champion group musical uh, winners, which just means. Damn. Okay. We- <laughs> did one number really well um okay i'm still florida we didn't win freaking anything oh and two-time national like we have jackets um oh my god wow but i don't even know where i'm going with that now but it's just like you just want to flex you just want to flex you just i like i'm literally thinking about it i'm like i don't know why i started (laughs) no that's beautiful um we didn't win anything we were never nominated for anything but uh I oh I also just like watched Glee religiously and I think that that was a made me like that's a huge part of who I 
was in like middle school and early high school too. It's like, I was like, I want my life to be like Glee. Like, and when you talked about jackets, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh my God, like Glee. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So we did all those things. Oh God. And I just remember the first, this is why I, I got it. So this is a formative memory to me. And it's, we would get back the sheets that would just have like comments written by some local person who was vaguely into theater and decided they want to make 50 bucks that day. And that's amazing. They would like write notes for the number. And I've always had like big curly hair and uh, been a short man. And I just remember the notes being like short curly hair, really loud. good, (laughs) And like taking that and being like, I am the loud singer. Like, that's my thing. That's yeah. not even a thing. That's so real. I I think about this all the time because in diving, I was known, I was known as like, quote, the consistent one, but I was also negative Nancy was my nickname on the team. And <laughs> I was told that I did not, like, I was so bad at pointing my toes, which is like such a specific small thing. They would always be like, you have ski boots because I would flex my feet. And I internalized all three of those things. Like I would going into meets, I'd be like, don't be negative Nancy. Don't be negative Nancy. You're negative Nancy. And I feel like even now I'm like, I just like, anytime I feel negatively about something, I hear my coach's voice being like, oh, here's negative Nancy again. Anyway. And then the other stuff too, I was like, you're bad at putting your toes. Like focus on that. I just, it's crazy what you just internalize. Yeah. Yeah. And just like becomes you. And then now that we have time, we get to be like, okay, like, do I need to work on pointing my toes? Or like, is it cool (laughs) if I don't right now? (laughs) It's so stupid. Also, it's like, I'm only flinging myself off of a 30 fucking foot structure and a panel of old white men who most likely have never even competed in the sport in their life are like, eh, it wasn't pretty enough. It's like, I could have died. I'm hitting the water at like 30 miles an hour. And I didn't point my fucking toes. I don't know. Those aren't the important details that they put in Billboard Dad, which okay. I think elevated they, the bill. I should have been a consultant on that. I, uh, yeah, you don't see that in Billboard Dad. I could really provide a lot of behind the scenes. No, I want there to be a diving TV show. That'd be so fun. I mean, I'm obsessed with it just now talking to you, so I'm sure it's got... Just like bitchy, soaking wet teens, like being so dramatic and throwing themselves off cliffs. Like that's amazing (laughs) that's my life (laughs) just like Degrassi meets a niche sport yeah I mean Friday Night Lights is a huge show why can't we have that for diving Tom Daly produce it I'll write it (laughs) Tom Daly get on it we've talked about you a lot (laughs) Tom Daly he knows he feels it he feels that his name's being invoked he he knows (laughs) or Tom Daly's kid you know if you want to oh yeah he could finance it that kid (laughs) He's got both diving and screenwriting in his genes, okay? He's meant, this is his legacy. Wow. (laughs) He just woke up. He's in London. He just rolled over in his crib and was like, someone's talking about me. I'm about to finance this film slash potentially prestige TV show. Like starts writing checks. No one knows why. (laughs) He just starts writing checks in his crib. They walk in and they're like, what the fuck? Okay, I guess we'll just send it to these people. Boss baby. (laughs) Oh, God. He has has a six-pack. I know. Born with a six-pack. Yeah, it's all genetics. It's not. 
You, you can't oh, do God. crunches to abs. Oh no, it's all genetics. Hey, uh, we had a teacher, one of our dance teachers in school. By the time we got to senior year, um, one of my friends was trying to get her splits and our teacher just walked over and goes, you're about to graduate, so I can just tell you this. Sometimes people's hips just don't work that way. <laughs> walked away from us. Oh my God. No, that's that's real. That's real. Sometimes things are just not for your body. And that's okay. Yeah, I was also famously bad at splits and we would do uh warm-ups on like the deck on mats and we would do splits and my coach would roll like a little ping pong ball underneath the people that could almost get, you know, flat on the ground. Just the ping pong ball could fit under like their crotch. And then he literally, me and my friend Kevin would be trying to do our splits and he would take out like a huge medicine ball <laughs> and be like, I can fit this underneath you. Uh, I was not flexible, but I was determined every night when I was little, I would like, well, I was like doing my homework or watching TV. I would like sit in the splits and try to try to get them all the way down. But. See, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, it's that determination. It's that muscling through. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Megan, as we are winding down our time together, I ask all my guests this, but do you have any more questions for me? (laughs) Um, Wow, I think I feel like I, we should just get coffee sometime. I'm so curious to learn more about your whole life. Um, But right now... It's not a question, but it's a comment. I'm really sorry that like comedy shut down, you know, right as you started doing stand up and open mics and stuff. I mean, like, I know it took me so long to even like pull the trigger and do it. And then I had all this energy and I was able to sort of like ride that wave and do a billion open mics and try to learn more about myself. But it's less of a question and more of like a hope that this will come back soon or you've been able to find other outlets and stuff uh yeah same during this time yeah it was yeah it was interesting because definitely I felt that energy I mean I also my first time was a lot of fun and I did really well so like I know that that is special and helpful um that's amazing yeah and on the one hand it's like I was feeling pressure because I turned 30 soon and it's like that's not even a real pressure and then uh Mm -hmm. but on the other side it's like okay but I already know what I like I have a strong sense of self and I have a strong sense Mm -hmm. of what my comedic self is um and just kind of translate translating that from theater school where you know what was once a way to brush me off uh is now a strength that um I feel like I can work on now with years out from that. So hopefully, I mean, yeah, things will happen. No, that's so real. I mean, I always feel that people that come in with like a specific point of view and they're just older and they know who they are. I mean, you're just going to be better at anything. You're just, you're going to have like such a better head on your shoulders. And even in the last two years for me, I feel like I have tried on so many different like personalities and like uh, just done a lot of like, self-interrogation and was so lost and am still lost and I'm like curious to see where I end up but it's nice to have already been through that and walk on stage or walk into a room and just know like your values who you are and feel confident because a lot of people don't feel that way and that's like a definitely a superpower to have 
Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I often think about like why college happens at the time that it happens. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big reasons that people lo- not love their college experience, because I'm sure people don't always universally love it, but it's such a touchstone because those years, those early 20s are so like, I think I'm this, I think I'm that, I think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do, I'm going to wear that hat, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, it's fun and it's exciting, but I feel like if I were doing that and trying to do stand up, I would just be very stressed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, one of those things where no matter what it is, like even just walking into a show to watch a show and not even perform, I'm like, remember that this is all supposed to be fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> haha, comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, it can get, it can get, it's a lot of people, especially queer comedy, it's like double introspection, right? Comedy requires a certain amount of inward looking, like, work and like a muscle to be self-aware enough to like, write about yourself and perform. Uh, Comedy requires that and I feel like queerness requires that. So when you place them on top of each other, it's a lot of people in rooms that like, could get very in their head if certain conditions are the way that they are. So um, sometimes it's very beautiful and it results in amazing things, but it's also like, yeah, I don't know. There's two sides of every, it's, of every coin. Yeah, it's, it's not the most beautiful and most terrifying space. Oh, absolutely. Planet. Best and worst of humanity on display. That's what I always say, especially open mics. Best and worst of humanity on display. <laughs> Just dressed in, uh, you know, the thing that shocked me, and let me tell you this, <laughs> I thought we were just joking when we said straight men wear sweats and a zip hoodie. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought that was an exaggeration. And I walked in and I said, sir, what are you doing here? And he said the same thing I was doing. <laughs> and I put on a look. So I already feel leaps and bounds ahead of people. Yeah, there you go. Presentation. <laughs> Presentation. <laughs> That's what I say as I like roll up in trash outfits. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. Well, this has been truly a treat. Thank you so much for joining us on Why Are You Like This? Where can the children find you? Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Um, I am on Instagram at Meg's Pope, M-E-G-S-P-O-P-E. I'm on Twitter at mpopetweets. Um, subscribe. You can, you know, there's links in bios to subscribe to the newsletter and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Well, thank you again. This has been such a fun conversation. And until next time, people, bye. Bye.